0: This time on the Rule Right Radio Podcast with New York Mike. Let's keep it in perspective. All these people on the left, they're going crazy. They're going out of their minds. What are they going out of their minds for? Guns? Okay. SCOTUS had a law that was very supportive of gun ownership and the right to bear arms. At the same time, they put in a law that infringed on that. Signed by 14 Republican senators. So they're going crazy. Abortion. <laughs> the, 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 Roe v. Wade was defeated. Then Nobody took away the right of abortion. Each state. There's 50 states. Each one has, has the right to fight. It's not going to change in California. It's not going to change in New York. There's plenty of places where it won't change. Or it will change in a reasonable way. You're going nuts. And then because I'm allowed to pray, if I choose, they're going nuts. There is so much going on that I don't see people rioting in the streets, protesting, yelling and screaming, making up signs, going to Washington, going to New York City. No, no. Abortion, praying, maybe a little gun, gun laws, and what they're, what they're going crazy about is abortion. Well, get out there and vote. See what your state comes up with. Because now, you don't like the Supreme Court? We just took that issue away from the Supreme Court and gave it back to the people he wears black denim trousers and motorcycle boots and a black leather jacket with his name on the back he does a patriotic podcast called roll right radio his name is new york mike and welcome to the show this is roll right radio New York Mike. Okay, it's Roll Right Radio on New York Mike. And what a week. What a weekend. What's going on every day? It's crazy out there. Yeah, it really is. Good, bad, or indifferent. Um, and, and I'm, I'm going to get to a... Listen, you, 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 you've got to talk about SCOTUS. You've got to talk about the Supreme Court. We will. You've got to talk about all the things that have, have gone on. And there's just... There is just so much that is is so important. I mean, we could talk about guns, abortion, praying, and then you got the war in Ukraine, you got recession, you got gas, you got, okay. And then you got the whole thing with abortion and Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas. And we are going to talk about all this and more, the military, there's so much more. I've got to talk about the January 6th hearings, the J6 hearings, Tuesday morning, is the morning that I do my podcast. And I've done the podcast for years down at Excalibur Cigar and Scotch Lounge, Uh, one of my favorite places. I could do a little segment just on that, but Tuesday morning. And for a lot of different reasons, I, I wasn't leaving the house today until maybe 10 or 11. I have things to do. Wanted to work out, ba-ba-bum, ba-boom. Then we've got dinner at 5 o'clock down in Carmel Valley. It's like, okay. But then I see this watching Fox, and boom, here come the hearings. And there's a compelling reason to watch today's hearings. And, and I'm going to talk about that in a minute, too. But before I talk about anything else, I've got to talk about the hearings themselves. So let me give you the compelling reason the compelling reason was that michael stenger the senate sergeant of arms in charge of the senate security on january 6th and and this is what it said on what I, i whatever news you know thing that i that i get has died no he was shot and killed he was shot and killed I believe it was last night. I don't know the exact time. All the details haven't come out. Uh, Clearly, when they say he has died, no, he was shot and killed after being dropped off by a friend in front of his apartment. What's significant about that? The fact that he was the, the sergeant of arms in charge of Senate security on January 6th. He was subpoenaed and was supposed to be testifying to the J6 committee today. So that's why I was like, oh, this, this is gonna be, what are they gonna say about that? And boom, I turn it on, and Cassie Hutchinson, the chief of staff to the chief of staff, <laughs> the, whatever the assistant, whatever her title, to Mark Meadows, who was chief of staff to Donald Trump. And she gave what a lot of people are saying was a riveting testimony. In other words, her testimony is, is going to be like a riveting and consequential. There is truth to that. And I think it could be. It was pretty riveting and it could be consequential, but in what way? And here's why I say that. She testified, in essence, I'm going to try to just give a 10,000 foot view of the testimony that everything that was done was horrible and terrible that the secret service and the fbi that they had seen weapons in the not just the ellipse park but adjacent to it. in other words when when you went there and i again remember i was there so when you look at it from ellipse park all the way back to the washington monument that whole grassy area grassy area it's huge <laughs> it's it's a huge expanse of everything right across and including all of constitution Avenue, and going all the way back to the washington monument and everything around it was full of people and and yes there was the magnetometers if you wanted to go into the ellipse park itself which is the park right behind the white house and it was, it's a big, again, a big area. But they had all the magnetometers set up, and the Secret Service was scrutinizing every person. Believe me, I've been on airplanes, and I hate going through the security to get on an airplane. This was three times as bad. I mean, empty your pockets, empty everything, do this. Do this. They were, you know, very careful. So she testified all that, and that you can hear whatever conversations of the different FBI Secret Service people saying, oh, there's a guy in a tree with a AR-15 and there's another guy and he's got a weapon on the right side on his thigh tied to his, tied to his thigh and he's wearing camouflage things. I don't know. I, I didn't count. I'd say that there were five, maybe six references to these people carrying weapons. What did those FBI and Secret Service agents do? They, they didn't say. I have no idea. Did they identify them so that others in the crowd, other Secret Service people in the crowd who go up and grab them, get them out of there, arrest them? Was there, I have no idea what they did. I don't want to, nor do I have time to speculate right now. I'm sure there's going to be conversation about this there will be speculation about what they should have done. Should they have done anything? Did they do anything? We have no idea. So it was just said that there were weapons identified. Now, there, there was an inference that those people did not want to go into the ellipse because they didn't want to get their weapons taken away. Well, that's Clear. If you have an AR-15, you're not going to want to go into the ellipse where the president is going to be in in eyesight within maybe a football field distance away and no barrier. I mean, it's ridiculous. Uh, so, whether it's an AR-15 or uh, any any sort of pistol, yeah, you can see that. What were the other weapons? Well, mine was about a three three and a half inch Harley Davidson. Little pen knife, little knife that I keep in my pocket. Now I decided to go through, not thinking they were going to have this kind of scrutiny. It just, I, I, it just didn't occur to me. Of course, it also didn't occur to me when I got there that this incredible sardine type of situation we were in, crowd, didn't have any medical, police, fire, or anything else there. It was way pre-planned. Not in the eclipse, yes, was planned. I don't know what was planned outside. So I'm not going to, again, speculate on whose responsibility it was. Was it the mayor? Was it the, the Speaker of the House? All those things have been said. So, but it didn't occur to me at the time. It did before the event was over, which ended with the end of Trump's speech. That there was no medical, there was no preparation, no ingress, egress, nothing. But when you we decided, me and Tony, that we were gonna go through the magnetometers. We stood online, we waited a long time, the line inched. I don't think, because we started at about eight o'clock. We got there before seven thirty, trying to figure out everything, what's going on. Then we said, Oh, we if to get into the ellipse, you've gotta Well, it wasn't a line like you go to a movie or a restaurant. This line was three hours long, actually more than that. And it inched and inched and inched to get to the magnetometers. I had a knife in my pocket, didn't think about it. Even if people did, I think that what discouraged people from going into the ellipse was the amount of detail and scrutiny that took so long that this line of people, and yes... Thousands and thousands of us, not just all the people there who didn't go to the U.S., but all the people that went through the magnetized We're still talking. Tens and tens of thousands of people. It was long. And you have to have a lot of perseverance to stay on that line. Freezing cold, nasty weather. Shoulder to shoulder, you can't move. It was ugly. But... It was a lot of camaraderie. We were talking to people. We were all there to support President Trump. And I say all. Oh, you got to be so careful everything you say. Were there Antifa people there? Were there people there who hated Trump? Yes. Was there FBI or Secret Service secretly <laughs> in the crowd? Yes. But I think for the very most part, we were all Trump supporters there because we were outraged about a stolen election. Not a lie. My opinion, my opinion is not a lie. It's my opinion, and it's the opinion of millions of others for good reason. And so we stood online and a lot of people didn't, probably looking down, saying, not that oh, I don't want them to take my weapon away, but that I'm not going to stand on that line. That's ridiculous. Those people are, in. it's going to take them three hours, three and a half hours. And it did. So let's get that out of the way. So I get to the Magnet Thomas, me and Tony, and I'm going to walk in. I always carry a small pocket knife that I always need, whether it's because I'm riding a motorcycle, opening, whatever it is, it's a utility pocket knife. It's not something that I have because I'm going to commit a crime of any time. Or do I think it, it's going to help me defend myself if I'm attacked? No. <laughs> it's, a, it's not a weapon, okay? Because it's a, like, three-and-a-half-inch pen knife, which, by the way, they confiscated and threw away. And I, there, there was no way of getting it back. I tried, by the way, but there was no way, and I knew that. I had to make that decision. It pissed me off. Yes, it did. But that's life. I couldn't understand what they were doing or why they were doing it, blah blah blah. But that's it's the Secret Service and this is the these are the precautions. By the way, we were there for a good ten minutes with all these people behind us. So it wasn't like a simple process and You just went through and give me a weapon. No, 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 no. Because I I didn't consider it a weapon. So anyway, bottom line is, we went into the ellipse and that was it. We get there. And and like I've said many times, it was, I, I didn't like the president's speech. It wasn't inspirational. It didn't make me feel like yeah, we gotta go down to the Capitol. I had made up my mind before that that we were gonna go to the Capitol to let our feelings known that we did not think this was a legitimate transfer of power. We didn't think that Joe Biden legitimately won the election. Did we? Listen, did we have proof absolute? No, but we firmly believe that Joe Biden stole that election, that the Democrat Party stole that election. That's just, and I'm not going to go through the mountain of evidence and reasons, all ending with, there's no way Joe Biden got 81 million votes, okay? So we were there. Now I'm listening to this testimony, and I'm watching this, and yes, Cassie Hutchinson was right there, She was right in that inner circle. She was just feet away from the president's office. Mark Meadows, the chief of staff, she was his, I want to say chief of staff, whatever the title was. I I want to give her all the credit for being right there on top of things. Now, do different people have different opinions? And what is it that triggers somebody? Because they... They put this committee meeting on air at the very last minute. Something happened to trigger what this happened. Now, I don't know what it is. What made Cassie Hutchison suddenly, it seems to me, like, so like, okay, damn it. I was against this. I didn't like it. But now, the hell with these people. Maybe she's a pro-abortion person and didn't like what happened at SCOTUS. So she was going to take it out on POTUS. <laughs> and But whatever, I got to tell you, I listened and I agree. There were a lot of people that didn't think it was a really good idea, that didn't think it was dignified for Donald Trump to protest as loudly and as, like, just as he did. But there were others of us at the time that said, we can't allow this to go on unchallenged. And so you're caught kind of in between. How do you challenge? Well, how does Donald Trump challenge anything? And part of the testimony, and by the way, when Donald Trump said he was going to be walking with us in a patriotic and peaceful way whatever the words were now we don't remember those words, why? because they have never been aired or shown by by this committee because they only show the the angry let's go down there and fight but it doesn't say where he said in the same sentence to keep it in context peacefully and patriotically or whatever so yes, and he And then then there's been an inference from a lot of people. He said, and I'm going to, you know, walk with you, march with you, whatever the words were. And then he didn't. Well, now we find out what happened. He got in, he got out, he left there, and the, the FBI, the Secret Service, whoever, insisted, I mean, his personal security detail, just wouldn't let it happen. They, they, they had no way. And this is Cassie Hutchinson's testimony because she talked to them. They had no way of protecting him. This is a big crowd. They saw the, the weapons in the crowd. Not a lot of them. It only takes one. So maybe there were ten. You know, I heard five or six in her testimony, but you know, it takes one. There could have been a few more, but whatever it is, I guess it seems to me. That the, the decision was made not to go into the middle of that crowd and try to disarm or arrest anybody, that that would just exacerbate you know something that could turn into a riot in the middle of what well, at least, I mean, at the very least a 100,000 people. And so that was, I guess, the decision made, and they knew that there were people with weapons, and though Donald Trump had said to the people at the magnet, because he want, and this is our testimony, and I, and I was there, and I, I understand it now. And he said, hey, I want to see the Lips Park filled up. You got to get rid of those magnetometers of so preventing people from coming in. And the answer was that it's preventing people from with these weapons from coming in, and it's come, They're not coming in to harm me. And whether that was saying, oh, no, they're going to harm the bad guys, I, I don't know what, I don't think he thought it out to the extent of that. He just thought that, they're, they're, they're here to support me. Let them in. Now, if I was on the security detail, I'd be agreeing with the security detail. And I, you can't explain it to the president. He's just... Emotional at this point. It's the height of, hey, am I going to be able to stop this right now so this election could be investigated? Because that's what he's thinking. There's no crime in thinking that. He didn't obstruct anything other than try to get it done in a legal, politically, you know, uh, whatever A a political process that that's the way things are done so he didn't go in there and say let's go in there with guns and stop things, that wasn't what he was doing what he didn't realize was that there were some people out there who were Trump haters, who weren't Trump supporters who didn't agree that the election was stolen and they were just as likely to be hidden inside that crowd, whether they were Antifa people or whatever. And the, the, the security detail, whether they were FBI, Secret Service, whatever, um, you know, they, they were there to protect him. And they were doing their job. So they said, hey, we, we can't, we're not going to let you march down to the ellipse and be that exposed. We cannot possibly protect you. And then when they got in the car and went through the same thing, let's understand. Now a little bit of time has gone by and there's there's news coming back to those same people where he's in the car, the beast, the car, the presidential limo, and that they're hearing, hey, there's people are breaking in. There's no perimeter. There, there's not enough capitol police to do and it's the same thing no we're not going down there now the president's not either he's not aware or if he is he doesn't care he said he's going down there and he wanted to and we i never knew why he didn't and there was always the inference of yeah he said that but he wasn't going to go down there with the with the people but now we know he wanted to he tried he tried so hard that when he was in the car and the FBI said, no, we're going back to the White House, he actually grabbed the steering wheel and tried to turn it around. (laughs) Yeah, is it proper? Is it right? You can condemn it all you want. That's my kind of guy. That's a Teddy Roosevelt kind of guy. By the way, I can also see Lyndon Johnson doing that. There's a lot of people who've been president of this country who are strong and tough? Not, not all that I agree with. I couldn't stomach Lyndon Johnson, but that's how I I could see those things happening. Were they ever exposed in a in a hearing seen by millions of people? Nope. Not not unless it was a, a Republican. Probably some of the things that Nixon did of that type of that ilk. Bad idea. That was not cool. Yeah. That's what people like, some people like, Teddy Roosevelt kind of people do. So this is what the testimony is. That there were some people that said, no, we can't do this. Some people said, hey, I don't like this, but it's okay. And some people that said, yeah, let's push the envelope. And the point is that Trump was honest and sincere. He believed the election was stolen. He acted on that belief and did everything he could within the limits of the law. And, and if in his private moments, he tried to do things that made no sense, well, that's okay. He didn't try to do anything illegal. Okay, he grabbed the steering wheel. It shows the sincerity of, of his belief in the, in the things that he said that he was going to walk with everybody. That he was going to go down there with everybody, and so he just gained a little bit more respect from from me, and I hope people like me. No, I, I, I don't think it was a good idea. I don't think the whole thing was handled as well as it could have been or should have been. I I, I agree with all that, but I didn't know, being at Lips Park. What was going on down at the Capitol? I knew that there were things going on that were wrong because my buddy Mike Warnock and, um, and Barr were telling me because they, they were right there, they were retired cops, they saw the scene, and they, and they, and they said, don't, don't come here. When I got a call from Christian Walters from Milwaukee at, what, 2 or 2.30 in the afternoon, knowing that I know a lot of people and I, I have a little influence, Mike, do what you can to stop that. I didn't know what he was talking about. I didn't know the extent. We had heard there was a rumor that that there was a shooter in, in the Capitol. And clearly, you didn't want to go down there when that was going on and being put on notice by my friends that it was a cluster and you don't want to be part of this. And I wasn't. But we didn't know the extent to which it was going on. And I'm not saying Neither did Donald Trump. I did not say that. But I didn't find out until I got back to my hotel room that night and turned on Fox News and saw what was going on. I said, oh, my God, that is disgusting. People are vandalizing, breaking things. doing I mean, it was terrible. But I had no idea, even after I was told by my friends there and my friend Christian, who called me from Milwaukee, I didn't realize the extent to which that had gone on. Was it incited by Donald Trump? It was incited by an election that we looked at and said, this is bullshit. That's what incited And there's nothing in these hearings that I've seen, including everything said today, that makes me feel any different. The only things I've heard are things that make me feel better about Donald Trump, even though I would have advised him against doing some of the things he did, just has some of the closest people to him, including his daughter, including people from Fox News, including his closest advisors. So I would have been one of the people saying, hey, listen, let's back off a little bit. Whatever. But... I went there all the way from San Diego, not to just report what I saw, to be part of that protest because I, I was outraged. I am outraged, but we'll we'll see where where this all goes. Point of all this is that there's still not one thing that I've heard from any of these hearings, and of course there is no other side, so there's nobody. Um, Who's going to cross-examine Cassie Hutchinson. And, I, and I, but personally, I don't even think it's necessary. Oh, and, and then, of course, when he was in the, uh, I, I don't know, the cafeteria or someplace, and and he was having lunch, and and heard or watched or heard about Bill Barr's testimony, he was so pissed off, he was so furious, he threw his lunch against the wall. You think he's the first president? General chairman of the board or right, that, that it was so disgusted with what was going on and threw his lunch against the wall or worse? No, I don't think so. Have I ever thrown my lunch against the wall? <laughs> no, I don't think I've done that either. But I've wanted to. <laughs> yeah. I've been with friends who have taken their cell phones and tossed them. Boy, so many times I've been so tempted to so angry after a conversation or something that goes on. I take my cell phone. I want to throw it. But I'm just too practical a guy. You know, I wasn't brought up like Donald Trump. Okay, you throw your lunch, you just buy another one. <laughs> no, I, I didn't have that luxury. If, if I took my peanut butter and jelly sandwich and threw it against the wall, I'd be going hungry <laughs> for the rest of the day. <laughs> and by the way, there'd be a lot of pissed off people around me, like, wasting food like that. So, obviously, joking, of course. But no, I I wouldn't do that. Haven't done that. Knowing that Donald Trump did that, am I going to say, yeah, you know what? I'm going to change my mind. He was wrong to to contest this election. No, I'm not changing my mind. (laughs) I don't think anybody else is changing their mind. And yep, some people are going to look at this and say, wow, I didn't know Trump was such a juvenile. I didn't know he was. You know what? You know, Trump has that streak, whatever it is, that keeps him totally committed and focused on the things that he believes in. And, you know, I, I, some people don't like that at all, and I like it a lot. And I, I think that when you take the debits and the credits, right now they're showing you all the debits, everything that could go wrong or be wrong or was wrong about that, but you're not seeing any of the credits you're not seeing any of the things that are going to motivate people to keep on investigating, keep on checking this out, keep on making sure that this election wasn't stolen, and finding out if it wasn't how it was. Keep on focusing on this. And by the way, if the J-6 hearings are doing that, then they are here for a purpose. So, that's my thoughts, and I, I think it was important to get that out. Again, because I was there, because I have a perspective on 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 those on on that day, including the fact that they knew what was coming. I mean, they they talked. Not, I, yes, I'm going to keep on going on a few more minutes. They said that there were meetings with Giuliani and with other people on January second or third or fourth, whatever the days were. Yes, they knew what was coming. They understood it. That that's why. Donald Trump authorized up to 20,000 National Guards people be there. That if they fully understand, understood, there was going to happen. And that's what makes it that much more uh, a negligence, at the, at the very least, that the Speaker of the House and the mayor, what was it, Muriel Bowser, didn't approve additional additional security, didn't improve the National Guard, didn't make sure that the area, at least outside of Lips Park, had security, medical at the very least, ingress, egress aisles, you know, protected by the fire department and the police department. Nothing. Now, that's total negligence. And it it might be, in my opinion, it was criminal entrapment. So, yeah, that's and and they you know again today's today's testimony just made my belief about that uh, even stronger because it showed how everybody knew everybody knew that January 6th was going to be a major event that they needed to much better prepare for and by the way if people looked at some of these groups, or I don't know, or Oath Keepers or what they're not the KKK. They're not they're not neo-Nazis. They're just not. Now, are they somewhat controversial? I think they're more much more controversial by the way they're described by the left than they are in real life. Now I don't I'm not that familiar with the Oath Keepers or the Proud Boys. I haven't read anything that made them sound like neo-Nazis or KKK members, nor have I heard anything that make them sound as bad as Antifa or Black Lives Matter people. So they're a group of people. And if, um, if any of these groups are legitimate to use in one way or another, then these groups are until they commit a crime. Now, did some of them... Go in there and damage our property? Yes. And they deserve to be punished. Right? Okay. So let's, let's talk about some, some happy news. Because there's a lot of great things going on. In that context, I want to say this also. I think the bigger picture is for people who are so concerned about everything bad, everything wrong. Oh, the country's going to hell in a handbasket. And, and yes... There's, there's a lot to be concerned about. There's a lot of bad stuff. This Biden administration that just is follows the left wing, the squad people, you know, all the, the the communist people, yeah, that's Bernie Sanders people. All that that's bad. That's really, really bad. But at the same time, we're getting to see what can happen when you go in that direction. And it's horrible. But let's talk about what happened today. We not well. It's not today, but this last few days. It's, it's it's all about SCOTUS. Yeah, SCOTUS, baby. That's it. We had we had a, a, two big days. First, they struck down the New York gun laws, that that forced a citizen to prove he or she had real need for a permit to carry um, a weapon of any kind. And I'm not sure if that's concealed or fully exposed this is a big win for gun, gun rights advocates and, and you know I, 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 for some reason it just triggers a thought about people coming here for asylum if you need a gun you had to prove it and really prove it be, before you even got to fill out an application you had to show that you really were threatened that you had a need I, I kind of look at that in the same way people come here looking for a silent, they oh yeah, come on in and we'll give you a court date in, in, in a year and a half or two years. That's not what they do. If you're looking for a permit to carry, they don't say, all right, come on, here's, a, here's your weapon, here's your permit, but you got you to gotta prove that you need it and you got to date down the road in a year. No, 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 no. You don't even get to fill out the frickin' application unless you could prove that you have a real need. So, in any event, it's it's that's over. It's a big win. Second Amendment advocates, freedom loving Americans. But then the next day, Congress, with the help of 14 Republican senators, passed a bill that infringes the rights of a citizen to obtain a weapon. I I listen, you gotta take the bad with the good. I, I think the SCODIS decision is overwhelmingly a bigger deal. But that 14, and I think that's the, the biggest issue for me, not what they passed, but that 14 Republican senators went along with them. And does it really stop a lot of people? Yeah, it's not the point. Yeah, sure. It's not overbearing. It's not overwhelming. But the principle that... The government will not infringe on the right to keep and bear arms is a principle that must be protected 100%. The slightest erosion can lead to real infringement. That's the way they do it. That's what we keep on saying, the camel's nose under the tent. Pretty soon, you're in the tent that you're sharing with a camel. That's just the way it is. And that's not going to take too long before you're out and the camel's in, baby. (laughs) I mean, consider that the Second Amendment, it's about the need for the citizen to protect themselves from the government, to be able to form militias, which are citizen, military, military, which is how we won the revolution. It's also how we stay free. It's the real power to the people. Yeah, that that militia those are that's you and me that's us that's us the fact that you know we have these arms and 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 that we can form that militia anytime it's needed at a moment's notice here comes paul revere the british are coming the british are coming but well, we don't know what form that next paul revere's ride is going to take to warn us so what do we do? What do we do to protect ourselves? Well, first thing we better have are those weapons. Then we can form militias. And that's ex- exactly what the Constitution says. And there's a really good reason for that. So thank you to everyone who has a weapon, who's disciplined and well-trained in how to use that weapon and, that, and, and make sure that that weapon is ready to be used any time? Yes, I know. people go, "Oh, it's for hunting or it's for protecting yourself against criminals and yes, it's true, but that's not what the Second Amendment is about. It's about at any time a government can step up and take over your life, can become a, a dictatorship that it's just overwhelming. Is that what's going on? I, honestly, I'm concerned about that, and I think we should be. But I no, I, I don't think that that's around the corner. Maybe down the block, and and we need to be aware of it, and and we need to understand that that could happen. Totalitarianism. That's what we nearly, we really need to be afraid of. Okay. And we've seen evidence of it from time to time. We, we have. Uh, I'm going to talk about that in a minute or two as well. But what's happening right now? Well, I guess I, I do need to rethink that a little bit. <laughs> of course, in some, place, some places, it's happening. So I, I think that one of the other things that should be very disturbing, you have to remember, this country was set up co-equal branches of government the executive branch the senate the congress that branch and the judicial branch so if you're going to give the legitimacy to the government and you're going to say well one of the things that this this committee seems to be inferring," in no they're not inferring; they're, they're they're not implying they're, they're stating is that the president at the time donald trump tried to stop the orderly transfer, the legitimacy, the very legitimacy of the presidency by interfering or trying to prevent the peaceful transfer after an election. So, no, I don't agree with that. The, The evidence of that is that there was a peaceful transfer. Was it all peaceful? No, I mean it was peaceful all the way through. If you want to call the the people who like me who protested, yeah, I mean we protested, but we didn't burn down buildings, we didn't shoot people, we didn't we didn't commit criminal acts to stop the transfer. We protested. There were a handful of people that got carried away, and if you want to call it riots, I don't think. A, Rose to the level of riots at the Capitol. It rose to the level of there was damage. It was criminal, no question about it. But it wasn't a total riot. It it was there was some violence, and again, those people committing violence need to be punished. And we all feel the same way about that. Maybe I feel that same way, but I feel badly. For the people that got carried away, and the other side is like, yeah, put them away, which, which is what they've done. They they put them in dungeons. They've imprisoned them. There's no due process for so many of those people. They may be guilty, but they're entitled to due process, and many, many of them haven't gotten that. So if you're going to challenge The legitimacy because you do not like a decision by the Supreme Court? So you challenge the total legitimacy of the court? That's no different than calling the election stolen. Except it's much worse because it declares SCOTUS, the Supreme Court of the United States, irrelevant because they don't agree Because those people that don't agree with the court's decision, call the courts irrelevant, call them out of, they they wanna disband it, disrupt it, or totally ignore the decision. This is what your politicians, Donald Trump saying that the election was stolen. Okay, he said it, I believe it, but I didn't burn down buildings. We're sitting here Calling Joe Biden the president an idiot, a total feckless moron. But he's the president, and 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 our politicians. I didn't hear anybody, including Trump, say he's not the president. Don't treat him as the president. Don't. I didn't hear the military said, um, no, that's not the commander in chief. I'm not. No, you're sending me to Afghanistan. I'm not going. We're in Afghanistan. We're going to leave behind all the $80, 85 billion dollars' worth of weapons. No, I'm not doing that. Uh, you want me to guard the perimeter at Kandahar? No, I'm not. Which, by the way, would have saved 13 American lives. Have they said that? But nope. They said, "We're in the military. That's the commander-in-chief. We're going to follow the chain of command and listen to orders. And if we get killed in the process, we're serving our country. So, I, I, I don't know what legitimacy a politician could have calling SCOTUS, the Supreme Court, irrelevant and tell people, because we don't agree, it, it's okay to defy the court's ruling. That's, that's just crazy. And it's wrong. And we're seeing it. And then we're seeing the contrast to these January sixth hearings when they don't have anything to say about the real riots after George Floyd was murdered. They don't have anything to say about all that. Billions of dollars of property destroyed. Lives taken. Lives ruined. You remember the, the cops? who were blinded by those people? I mean, come on. This is horrible. There were, what, 20 or 30 deaths and, and, and billions of dollars of damage? That was horrible. And now you see the riots because of a Scotus decision? It's horrible. January 6th, the Capitol, that's pretty bad. And and again, you know. But is it? Wh- wh- where's the hearings on what happened after George Floyd? Where are the hearings about what's going on about Maxine Waters and wh- wh- whoever else? AOC telling people what to do to break things down to riot to destroy the Supreme Court? Where are the hearings about that? Who? Do- I get. I get that elections have consequences but I'm kind of looking at the Republicans and saying, okay, you don't have control but you could still put together whether it's press conferences or whatever you could still put together your congressional hearings about what these people are doing. If they're going to put Donald Trump on trial let's put overall dignity and the conduct of our elected officials on trial. There's so much stuff going on. The good news, I want to point out the good news. The good news is and and if you listen to the podcast with me and Mark Devot and Robert Patrick coming back from Washington, you heard us talk about God. We need God back. Back in our lives, back in our classrooms. We need God Black, we need that North Star that we follow. We need that to be all things embodied in the belief in our Creator, and we need that. And you know what? I see it coming back. I see it in the SCOTUS decisions. I see it every day. And don't forget the decision about Coach Kennedy, who kneeled and prayed after his football game in Washington, Washington State, this 20-year retired Marine was coaching football, high school football. And they told him, you can't pray, you can't bring the team together to pray in the locker room before the game. And he said, okay. But after the win, or maybe it wasn't even the win, after a game, he went and nailed at the 50-yard line by himself and prayed. Maybe he was thanking God that none of his players got hurt. Maybe he was thanking God for a victory. Maybe he was thanking God for they lost but with, with dignity and and, and, and character intact. And Maybe, we don't know what he was, that's between him and God. And he didn't try to get anybody to come with him, but the, the they fired him. And they said he couldn't do it, and he said, no, I can This is a free country. We got the freedom of religion. I have the freedom of being able to pray to my God. And if I let you do this, I was a United States Marine for 20 years. I can't be this irresponsible and let this become part of accepted law in the country, that a person can't kneel and pray at any place, by him or herself. And so we fought it for seven years. I understand. It would trial after trial after trial. And then it went to the Supreme Court, and he won, and we won. <laughs> That's a big deal. So you gotta see that, no, God has not been abandoned by this country. God is, it's, It's. you gotta fight. You gotta fight every day. You, you can't just sit back and complain. You, you can't say, You can't say that, oh, God's abandoned us. What, What have you done? How hard have you worked? You know, 49 years of Roe v. Wade, which was bad legislation, even according to Ruth Bader Ginsburg, it was bad legislation. It wasn't right. And it took 49 years of fighting. And some of those people, again, I went to the March for Life on the January 22nd and I, and I went with those, I was there to see the love and the dedication that those people have. They weren't destroying anything, they didn't riot, they didn't burn or break, or they, they marched in the cold, in the snowy January 22nd of a cold day in Washington DC and wherever else around the country. But certainly that March for Life in Washington, every January 22nd, they did everything they could all year long for 49 years. So, (laughs) God helps those who help themselves. And there it was, a victory. It was fought for. God didn't throw down a lightning bolt. And say, no, thou shalt not abort thy children. No, that's not what happened. It was, it was a hard-fought, ongoing war for the rights of the unborn. Look, I, I, I also want to say this. Let's keep it in perspective. All these people on the left, they're going crazy. They're going out of their minds. What are they going out of their minds for? Guns? Okay, SCOTUS had a law that was very supportive of gun ownership and the right to bear arms. At the same time, they put in a law that infringed on that, signed by 14 Republican senators. So they're going crazy. Abortion. <laughs> they're, 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 the, Roe v. Wade was defeated. Then Nobody took away the right of abortion. Each state. It's 50 states. Each one has has the right to fight. It's not going to change in California. It's not going to change in New York. There's plenty of places where it won't change. Or it will change in a reasonable way. You're going nuts. And then because I'm allowed to pray, if I choose, they're going nuts. Well, let's look at the other issues. We don't see them rioting on. We don't see them coming to the surface and go, oh, my God, we got to... But let's look at those issues. How about the war in Ukraine, which can easily become World War III? Are you having any concern? What about this recession that's quickly, quickly turning into a depression? $5 gas, 6% mortgage rates, no batteries or chips. I was talking to a friend of mine the other day. Can't get cars for his car dealership. Why? There's no batteries. There's no chips to make the cars that run the computers that drive these cars, okay? How about crime? From murder to shoplifting, the murder rate. You know, they, they talk about all these, you know, these big events, and, and they're terrible, whether it was Buffalo or or Uvalde. So, you know, but what about every single week in every one of these big cities? It's horrible. It's, it's, it's everywhere. It's, every, it's almost every day. And we're talking about thousands of them. And by the way, I'm not one of these pro-life pilgrims. I haven't battled every day on pro-life. But I would not make abortion illegal either. I'd restrict it. I'd do a lot of things. But if you talk to any of us, how concerned are we about over a million abortions every year? Now, are some of those abortions because of the life of the mother or rape or incest? Yeah. But how many of those millions? Over 900,000, I'm sure. I just, I'm not ready. I don't, want the, I don't want the financial burden. I don't want something to stop my ability to go out and live my life. I want to keep going out to clubs and having fun and dancing and going away on trips and living. How many? Because I got two boys. I really want a girl. No, let's just kill it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Over there's not a million murders a year. Not not by guns. Not by not by any of these major gun things, which are tragic and horrible. But it doesn't come close, nor does it even come close to how many kids are getting murdered by guns in the big city around this country. And by the way, in a, the abortion issue, there, there's the, the black population is about 12 to 14% in America. But the abortions in America are over 40% black children. Over 40%. And remember... That this whole abortion thing, Planned Parenthood, was begun because of eugenics. Eugenics. The, the, the ability to suppress or destroy or control the, the, the growth of a whole segment of society in America. It was to eliminate the blacks in America. That's where it came from. I've talked about it before. Check it out, look it up, do what you want to do. And they're succeeding. Over 40% of abortions are performed on black children. So what percentage of these kids, mostly kids, okay, up to in their 20s, whatever, doesn't matter. What percentage are black? What's that number? 60, 70, 80, it's up there. So is, is this something that needs to be talked about and focused on? We're talking about black death in, 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 in cities. And it hit me when Gianna Caldwell, one of the, one of the contributors to Fox News, this black kid from, from Chicago, his brother, his, 12, his 18-year-old brother, was shot and killed the other day. Shot and killed. 18-year-old brother trying to figure out which college he wanted to go to. Shot and killed. And Gianna Caldwell's calling to uncuff the police. Not just refund them, give them back the money. Uncuff them. Let them do their job. What about the fentanyl? How many people are dying of OD? Over 100,000 a year. What are we doing about the border? There is so much going on that I don't see people rioting in the streets, protesting, yelling and screaming, making up signs, going to Washington, going to New York City. No. No. Abortion, praying, maybe a little gun, gun laws, which, by the way, you get one that gives you the right and one that takes some away. But they'll riot and break things down. And go, but not for all the other things I talked about, including the supply chain, the, the, the homeless, electricity blackouts when they're eliminating fossil fuel. I mean, there's so much to be concerned about. And what they're, what they're going crazy about is abortion. Well, get out there and vote, see what your state comes up with, because now, You don't like the Supreme Court? We just took that issue away from the Supreme Court and gave it back to the people. Do I think things are getting better? I do. Do I think things will get better? Do I think they will get better? I do. And, And I see evidence of it every single day. Is there some irreparable damage that won't get fixed? I thought that and I don't now. We'll fix it. We'll get there. I, I, I'm not saying I, I, I lost any faith in the American people. I never did. Well, i got to admit, I was, <laughs> I, was, I was a little challenged there for a while. I am not now. Okay? Do I love everything I see? Heck no. But I, 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 I think there's good things coming. I think we'll be fine. We're gonna, some of us are going to pay a price. Yeah, there's a lot of damage that's being done that won't be able to be repaired because there are a lot of people whose lives are lost. I talked about those 13, 13 service members, Marines, the Navy, Army, killed in, in, at Kandahar. It wasn't, it shouldn't have happened. So there's damage that will not be repaired, but this country will, this country will survive, and, and this country will thrive. Sooner or later, it might take a few years. We're going to get over the big interest rates. We're going to get back down from $5 gas. We will be energy independent again. And we will move on to renewables at some time in the future. Yeah, 2050 or whatever. I'm New York Mike. (laughs) Thanks for listening. Thanks for being there. Roll Right Radio, Rolling Right. Hey, I know I got a lot of motorcycle things to talk about, and I haven't, and I'm going to. I'm going to, I promise. I promise me, because that's what I really love to talk about. But you got to talk about these other things so we understand a different perspective than the one you're going to see every day. But you're going to hear it on Roll Right Radio. I'm New York Mike. I'm out. Thanks for listening to the Roll Right Radio podcast. Listen, follow, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.